Instead of names and dates, let's focus on the narrative. I'm Adam Blesky. Each month I sit down with a friend to have a real conversation about a part of history that's new to them. The goal is to make connections, to foster curiosity, and to appreciate how incredible the story of humanity truly is. I'm not an expert. This isn't a lecture. This is HI 101. Last time on HI101, we talked about some conspiracy theories that, let's be honest, were almost laughably unlikely to be true. But not every theory out there is so clear-cut. In this episode, we'll be talking about a couple that have more substance to them. Let's begin. All right, I'm here on HI101 with Becca Blesky. Hello. How's it going? Good. Did you know that there's a government facility that's built deep under the ground with like six levels? And that there was once a war between the aliens that use that facility for testing on other aliens and also on humans between them and the government. I definitely did know that. That's definitely true. Super true. Mm -hmm. And no one's ever blabbed except that one guy who constantly blabs about it. Mm -hmm. I feel like if that guy was actually right and was telling the truth, he definitely would have been taken out by now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Except, Except, think about it. Oh, if he was if taken everybody out. everybody thinks that he's so crazy, why take him out? Mm, that's true. It just legitimizes the story. Then everybody's going to get suspicious and be mm-hmm. like, why would they take him out if it wasn't true? Why would they bother taking him out? Mm. doesn't make sense. Think about it. A lot of people seem to think that the government takes people out, like, real easy. Yeah. Like, it's a very, <laughs> like, like... For some reason, like, Barack Obama, like, gets up in the morning and, like, brushes his teeth. He, like, gets into his suit. He goes down and he's, like, he's eating his Wheaties. (laughs) (laughs) He's got, like, he's got, like, I don't know. He's got, like, a Rolodex of citizens. I feel like like he's got, like, NPR in the background. Yeah. (laughs) Or he's, like, he's, like, listening to, like, This American Life. I wear glasses just, like, talking about, (laughs) I don't know, like, artisanal pencil sharpening or whatever yeah and like in his in in one hand like in his non-spoon hand yeah for his wheaties he's just got like a list of like 87 people that are like gonna be taken out today yeah he's like looking looking over like just like reviewing his list like each person and like a one sentence synopsis of why yeah like a little picture of them beside it Mm mm-hmm and like one of them is like blabbed about the secret alien facility deep under the ground and the war that took place there he's like "Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah to like initial each one he's like oh, this is the toughest part of my day get a hand cramp man i really should have had a, made a had a stamp made up you think about you'd think after seven and a half years of presidency i would have gotten around to it by now but no <laughs> it always just gets bumped down my to-do list it's always like third most important but like things just keep sneaking in above it just keep coming just keep coming and i think part of the reason that people think that you know the government's taking people out is so easy is because it's happening 
happened a lot of times mm. that we know that it's true that it's happened. Yeah. Which is really disturbing. Yes. I mean, one thing that I talk about every once in a while on this show of, of kind of wanting to get a little bit deeper into is South American history. Because it's really, really interesting, but it's also like really sad yeah. because basically you can't talk cohesively about South American history without talking about all the times the United States got just like got their fingers right in there. Yeah. And like completely like like bumped people off. Yeah. Like constantly. Oh, we don't like this leader. We're going to have like a quasi legal team go in, assassinate him and install some dictator who is not democratically elected like the last guy was, but at least we like him a little bit better because he aligns with our business interests. Yeah. And I know I sound like crazy and anti-American when I say stuff like that, but I've got like, it's, I've got the times that it happened. Yeah. This is a true thing that's well documented. Yeah. And I don't know, you don't want to sound like a crazy person, but there's a lot of people who don't know about that stuff. And there's a lot oh, yeah. of people who just dismiss it really quickly. It's not, it's not something that they would advertise. <laughs> no, no. And I, I understand why they don't. Right. Um, I get why this isn't like part of the mandatory grade eight curriculum in American <laughs> history classes. Yeah. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about the Sandinistas. No, definitely not. <laughs> They're just children. I know. See, that makes me want to talk on a completely different subject for like 10 minutes straight, which is when's the right time to introduce like really uncomfortable or like really controversial subjects to history. Lift the veil. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, thinking back, you know, in in my education, when we talked about history uh, that would be potentially really controversial or really difficult to talk about, we were young enough that it was kind of like glossed over in like, number one, probably because we were so young. Number two, because, you know, you were learning it on such a superficial level, you didn't really have, a, like, a chance to, like, really get into it. Yeah, you don't get a true understanding in, of it. You get, this happened. These are, you know, the three key points. Yeah. And then this is the next thing that happened. And then, like, as I got older, like, we either got, like, more recent or, like, further into the past to points where it's a little less controversial. Yeah. Like, I... Hey, remember learning about how the the French habitants made their 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 farms long and thin on the Saint Lawrence yeah, yeah. River, so yeah. everyone had like a river facing property, yeah, rather than squares, which was the English method. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> but we all learned it in grade eight. Yep. And then like you get into grade ten, which is the last time history is mandatory, at least yep. in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Talk about they call it twentieth century history, but really it's like tw- like. World War Two and later history and, you know. We got, well, when I did it anyway, we got World War One uh, yeah. to World War Two, and then like a little bit after. Basically, yeah. You know, you touch on the Great Depression and whatnot. Yeah. And like, they'll they'll sort of mention a couple controversial things, but they you don't really get into it. No, not at all. It's, it's, I feel like it's been very carefully worded to like avoid the more difficult questions that could come up out of it. Oh, for sure. Like we talked about, for example, residential schools. Yeah. Um, but not in a way that anyone like really understood fully what happened, first exactly. of all. And that was like that was it. And I took I took history classes further on in, in high school, which most people don't, don't at that point. And you know, going into university. And at that point, certain things start clicking and certain things you go into more depth and you realize kind of just like how messed up basically everyone's history is. Yeah, ever. there's a lot more horrific aspects to most of the things that you've 
kind of surface touched on. Yeah. But at that point, I mean, who's who's actually learned, like, like what percentage of people are actually learning about those things in a way that, you know, really educates them on how, uh, how difficult certain parts of our own history is. Yeah. It's a small percentage. It's not most people. No, not at all. Um, when you mention residential schools, if you haven't either taken, you know, further history classes or if you haven't for whatever reason, had the opportunity to kind of educate yourself in that issue. Yeah. Really, the only time you ever hear about it is when it comes up in the news and then it goes away in two weeks. And yeah. People kind of forget again. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of my listeners aren't from Canada. Man, look up residential schools. That is not a that is not a happy part of our history. It's not that is a not shining moment in Canadian history. That is not a that is not a thing I am proud of as a Canadian. No, but not at all. Um, it, it was essentially a uh, mass reeducation program attempting to basically strip all native canadians of their cultural identity yeah. through um uh through a, a a forced boarding school initiative uh where they weren't allowed to speak their own languages where they weren't allowed to practice their own cultural traditions mm-hmm. where they were basically forced to be as uh, as english and as christian and as uh quote unquote normally canadian as possible yeah. with the deliberate attempt of or with the deliberate intent of of stripping them of of their native culture and identity yeah and it's it's and the horrors go long beyond that Way that's beyond just it, the, yeah that's just the officially like stated goals of that program yeah it gets way worse than that believe that's me. the that's the real surface skimming of it not not even the uh the one that we got in school yeah yeah absolutely so anyways that's a that's a horrible subject that I don't really want to talk about right now I I uh I don't know maybe someday I'll end up getting into it on mm-hmm. one of these uh, shows but it is it is not a it's not a happy subject whatsoever no not at all not in the least we kind of got here from talking about uh government assassinations yep. That's, let's let's close <laughs> That's where that we loop. Started. <laughs> let's come right back around to where we were at the beginning of this what i was what i was angling towards was the kennedy assassination which is probably uh the most popular conspiracy theory out there there is a shockingly low percentage of American citizens who believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, was the sole shooter, and assassinated uh, Kennedy on his own. Uh, I've seen stats as low as 20% of, of Americans believe that's what actually happened. Mm-hmm. That means as much as four in five people believe there's more to that story that the government is not letting on. Yeah. And when you dig into it, I get it. Yeah. This... Conspiracy, I think, falls under the umbrella that we were talking about last time a little bit where um, chaos is really difficult for people to understand. Yeah. Or not understand, but... Accept. um, Yeah. Come to terms with. Yeah. Because the official version of what happened with the death of Kennedy is that on November 22nd, 1963, he was in Austin, Texas, and he was basically... it was a parade. It was a motorcade. He was yeah. riding through the city of Texas and people were out to see him. He was a massively popular president. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to express just how much people loved Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, he was a rock star. He made being president cool. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a once in a generation sort of thing. And I mean, this is also 1963 and before his own death. So he's riding in an open limousine. Uh, sitting up high in a you know widely open, poorly controlled public space. Yeah. The parade route had been changed and then changed back, and then like it had been altered a couple of times. And you know he's riding through like a town square. Yeah. And Lee Harvey Oswald 
for reasons that are never made terribly clear, has stationed himself up in the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository, which is basically a warehouse for textbooks. Yeah. That's that's all that is. He's got, he's got himself stationed up there with a little shooter's nest. He's got a rifle and he manages to shoot Kennedy twice. The second time in the head, killing him instantly. And he's arrested on his way out of the depository. He actually almost made it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody noticed him coming out looking suspicious kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, he was apprehended by the police. Um, and two days later, while still in police custody, I mean, he, he had been obviously immediately charged with murder and, yeah. and all of that stuff. But, you know, the interrogation was not particularly substantial, um, at least in terms of what's been released to the public. Right. But he hadn't stood trial. It had only been two days. He was being moved in police custody when a man named Jack Ruby basically walked up with a revolver and shot Oswald like multiple times. Yeah. Uh, killing him. So he was never able to stand trial for the assassination attempt. Ruby was charged with murder as well, uh, but he actually died of cancer before he was able to, uh, before he was executed for the sentence. Right. Ruby was the guy... <laughs> I was showing you a picture of this before we started recording. Yeah. Uh, Jack Ruby could very easily, very easily be related to us yeah. just based on the looks. Yeah. If, if somebody told us that he was part of our family on the one side, I would fully believe that he was like one of our dad's uncles or like a cousin or something. Yeah. Like no problem. No, no problem at all. <laughs> Obviously, there was an investigation done into this whole thing. Every time a president is assassinated, there's a full... Uh, commission set up to investigate the whole thing yeah it's and a, it's a big deal <laughs> it's, it's kind of a thing they have to do a lot of paperwork it's a big, <laughs> it's a big hassle uh in 1964 uh, the warren commission which is it, it's always named after the person leading it basically uh the warren commission determined that lee harvey oswald acted alone nobody else was involved uh, they did determine that the the Secret Service was deficient in its duty. Mm-hmm. They they failed to properly protect Kennedy. There was a Secret Service uh, agent in the front of Kennedy's car. Mm-hmm. He did not jump over and cover Kennedy's body, which is what he was kind of supposed, supposed to, to do, do in that situation. That being said, Kennedy had already been shot once, and you know, that's. I mean, if you're on, if you're on the Secret Service and the president dies, you're always going to be found to be deficient. You know, yeah, it's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, a lot of people really railed against this. They did not take well to the to the Warren Commission. Somebody shot a movie and captured this on film. Yes, uh, it's called the Zapruder film after uh, Abraham Zapruder, who is the man shooting the film. It's it's silent footage. There's no sound, uh, but it is in color. It's video. I am not going to link this. You can find it. It's out there. I've watched it. Yep. This is one of the few situations where I would personally advise people not go looking for the source material. Yeah, I've seen it. It's awful. It's hard to put into words how how bad it feels to watch that video that video. Yeah. It's very, very affecting. Yeah. Because it it's not as though it's some sort of like grainy far away and like somebody like puts like a little red circle in the top right corner and is like, this is where it's happening. No, it's right there. It captures it in in graphic detail. Have you ever seen it? I have. It's... I basically, every November mm-hmm. <laughs> on, you know, Discovery Channel and stuff like that, they'll they'll run series about Kennedy assassination. Yeah. And it, it usually comes up in some capacity or another. They never used to run it. 
Or they never used to run the the full frame three thirteen. Yeah, is uh, is the frame of the video where Kennedy's hit. Yeah, I didn't even need to look at my notes with that one. No, it used to be that they never showed the moment where he's shot. It's it's it, it weirds me out that they've started showing it. I don't know. It's 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 kind of a difficult thing in terms of like the decency argument versus the information argument. I, I think that it should be available. I think that there should be ways of, of people accessing that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel odd about the idea that you could be flipping through the channels and accidentally see that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't know for sure if they're, if they're showing, you know, the entirety of it mm-hmm. yet or not, but I, right. they do definitely. But you said you've seen it and you've I seen have. it on there. Do you remember, did they like give any sort of like... Yeah, generally they'll say... Viewer discretion advice kind of thing. Okay. I haven't watched Discovery Channel in a very long time. Yeah, it's been a bit since I have. I think the last time that I saw something like that was in 2013 when it was, you know, the anniversary. So It's one of those things where ever since I saw that, anytime I hear somebody talking about people not knowing the difference between like movies and real life in terms of like footage, I feel like I've never seen that footage. Yeah. Because there's there's something weirdly real about it. Well, that's the thing. You you get so desensitized to stuff like that through movies and, and TV, and then you see a real mm-hmm. example of it, and it, it doesn't seem real because it's not... I it's it's simpler the, than... I almost had the opposite reaction, where the, the TV, and, TV and movies and stuff, like, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say it never bothers me. Sometimes it super bothers me. But, well, yeah. Yeah, you know, in general, it's like, okay, well, this is fake and this is a movie and I can very easily remove myself from that. Yeah. And the, the Kennedy one just... No, it makes it very, very real. Very, very real. Anyways, we're sending, we're spending a lot of time on this film. This film has been used by both sides extensively to support their arguments about what happened when it was shot. It's a little bit awkward that it doesn't have sound. Yeah. Uh, however, there are sound recordings that they've attempted to match up with the Zapruder film to give a cohesive picture of what happened. So, so we, we we know that the official story is that Oswald was acting alone. Who else would want Kennedy dead? Why would Oswald want him dead? Why would uh, why would anyone else want him dead? Is really what we're talking about here. I mean, for a very long time, we've talked about who did assassinations and, and assassination uh, investigations in very simple terms. It was actually laid out by uh, Cicero, who was a Roman politician, mm-hmm. who asked the question, who benefits? Right. Which is a very good question to ask when a public figure has been assassinated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes stuff like this can be written off as a fairly isolated incident. Like you get people who are clearly you know, mentally unstable who are, mm-hmm. who are acting on, on their own for very unstable reasons and they are, you know, ill, not malicious. And yeah. what's happened is a tragedy, not uh, a deliberate act. Yeah. Other times, it, you know, you can start pulling those threads and they really start coming, uh, coming apart. I was originally going to use, you know, as, in terms of the, the mentally ill argument, I was originally going to use John Lennon, but even there, the FBI had files on the guy and there are people who believe that he was behind the, or they were, that the FBI was behind the assassination. Yeah. So Kennedy, there are people who point to the CIA. They thought that the CIA did not want a warming of the Cold War, which was something that Kennedy seemed to be war- uh, uh, working towards. I mean, right. his defusal of the Cuban Missile Crisis showed him a willingness to work with Khrushchev yeah. and kind of maybe bring people back from the brink of destruction that they were sitting at in the early 60s. Yeah. Similarly, wealthy Americans have been pointed to because 
there are those who believe that war profiteering was making them a lot of money because of the Cold War, and they didn't like the direction that Kennedy was taking diplomatically. Conversely, Cuban Americans or even uh, the Cuban government have been pointed to for kind of the opposite reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kennedy was not a big friend of Cuba. No. Keep in mind that, I mean, Kennedy served less than one term, and during his administration, we had the Bay of Pigs Mm -hmm. crisis, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, and we had the trade embargo put in place against Cuba that was only lifted very, very recently. Yeah. So, no, Cubans didn't much like Kennedy. No. He hadn't been great to Cuba. No. (laughs) The Mafia has been pointed to. Okay. Well, the, the Mafia had been... There's been there is proof that the mafia had been in, uh, involved both with the CIA. The CIA had actually hired them for hits. Wow. Oh yeah, the CIA is so 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 They've dirty. They've got a lot going on. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. There's like name name a name a time period. The CIA probably has some sort of scandal going on. Right. There was the whole thing with the there's there's a good chance that they're the reason that crack cocaine made its way into the United States. Yeah. They were buying cocaine from anti-socialist agitators in South America to help them fund their war against the democratically elected. Yeah. Like, it's just... Yep. (laughs) The fact that they were working with the mafia in the 60s almost seems quaint compared to some of the other stuff that they pull off. Yeah. But the mafia had also worked with the Cuban government for similar reasons, either smuggling things into the United States or working on political hits, things like that. Mafia don't really mind who they work with as long as they pay well yeah as long as they get paid there they're good to go mm-hmm. and they may have actually acted independently from either the cubans or the cia in assassinating kennedy for the sim- for, for the same reasons either to protect their business with the cubans or to protect their business with the cia because right. both of the, because all of that business involves both an access to cuba which was being cut off and a continuation of the cold war which kennedy was kind of threatening right and finally lyndon b johnson Kennedy's vice president. Yeah. There was a lot of indication that Kennedy didn't really like Johnson that much and Mm -hmm. was probably going to drop him from the 1964 presidential ticket, find a new vice president for himself. It's possible that Johnson saw this as pretty much his only way to become president. Yeah. Because it's the whole, you know, vice president is the heart, uh, one heartbeat away from being president, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly what happened as soon as Kennedy was killed. They flew Johnson straight to Austin and had him sworn in then and there Yeah, on the tarmac as yeah. president because they didn't want... Well, I mean, no one had any idea what was going on. It was Somebody a, had to try and control the situation. Yeah, Somebody had to be put in charge. Yep. So, I mean, there are a lot of people who actually had a lot to gain from, you know, from Kennedy's death, yeah. despite how popular he was. Yeah. So what do conspiracy theorists say? Mainly that there was at least mo- mo- uh, one more gunman. Mm-hmm. They don't think that Oswald could have made the shot. There are also multiple witnesses who claim to hear shots from more than one direction. You've heard of the grassy knoll? Yeah. There was an area where a number of people thought they heard a shot from, that a number of people thought they saw very suspicious people kind of lurking around that area. Mm-hmm. You'll find, it, this was a rabbit hole I went down, but you'll find people referring to the man with the dog, uh, or the man with the black dog, sorry. Mm-hmm. There's a man with an umbrella. There are theories that involve up to three different hitmen that were in the area, at least one of which is always on the grassy knoll. Yeah. Multiple witnesses claiming to have seen, like, suspicious people around. Yeah. And then they look at Oswald himself, the weapon that he used 
Oswald had been in the military. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you talk to, the rifle that he used was either extremely reliable, like a very, very good rifle, very accurate, or like one of the most like unreliable and like finicky rifles that you could possibly use. Like it wasn't a military rifle. It was something that he like, he mail ordered that rifle. Yeah. It wasn't a terribly high velocity shot when a lot of people have said that the 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 bullet wounds were consistent with a high velocity round. Mm-hmm. There are issues with Oswald's training. Basically people, there, he he qualified as a sharpshooter, which, w- which is like two levels above like your basic military marksmanship uh, training. Okay. But there are also a lot of people who said like, actually he was kind of a lousy shot and he just barely made it in. Mm. He never even came close to like the top level sniper or marksman, sorry, uh, rankings. Okay. But there are a lot of people who also say that like, yeah, but like he was also pretty good. Like just because he wasn't the best doesn't mean that he wasn't good enough. Right. So it's it's hard to kind of focus this part of the discussion down to anything specific because like every single part of it has been scrutinized in some way yeah. and questioned and brought either for or against there being some sort of bigger conspiracy. Yeah. Jack Ruby was involved with the mafia. But does that mean that he was working specifically for the mafia, like on mob orders? Does that mean that he was uh, hired by one of the groups that we talked about as a one-off hitman to take out Oswald to cover up whatever conspiracy had hired Oswald on as either the main hitman or as a fall guy to be captured to draw away attention from another shooter? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that Ruby acted on his own because he just hated the guy who shot the president (laughs) and just happened to have mob ties? Like, you run into this tangle where it's like, I I just don't know. Yeah. There are issues with the angles of bullet entry on Kennedy himself. This one I don't like. And here's why. Most of the angle issues assume that Kennedy was sitting straight up. Mm-hmm. When you clearly see him double over at one point in the video. Yeah. (laughs) And that kind of solves some of the angle issues. Yeah. Like that one seems really flimsy to me, but a lot of people hold on to it really carefully. Yeah. There are a lot of factors that would affect that. There's also a lot of stuff that people didn't realize about Kennedy that would affect some of the ballistics issues. Number one, his spine was all messed up. Yeah. So the vertebrae that the bullet hit would have fractured the bullet kind of oddly and made it do strange things. Yeah. Um, including, you know, one of the, one of the criticisms is that the, 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 the one wound on the back of his head looks like it should have been from a bullet coming from in front of him. Mm -hmm. It could be that a bullet actually like ricocheted up through and back out like a Mm -hmm. bullet fragment. Yeah. He was also wearing a back brace. Yeah. Which number one keeps him in a, in kind of an awkward position, like doesn't get him down out of the way for the second shot. Yeah. But, like, also could have affected ballistics. Yeah. Like, if it hit a metal brace that no one realized that he was wearing. Yeah. Oswald himself, you know, had a military career, had some involvement with the intelligence community. But other people say he was, like, really inept. But then other people will say actually makes him the perfect fall guy for something like this. Yeah. Because you set him up as though he's on, like, a really important mission. And then you just throw him to the wolves as the lone gunman. Have your mob-hired hitman take him out. And then... You know, he can't speak. Well, we close it. We close it out with the Warren Commission two years later, and you know, yeah, good to go. Yeah, um, nice and tidy. Nice and tidy, <laughs> and no one will suspect a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Oswald had also spent time in Russia and was a supposed communist sympathizer, which was one of the reasons he had had uh, CIA contact. But then again, may have been on a mission for the CIA in Russia. Yeah. 
And when he came back, it's possible that his ties to the communist parties were part of an undercover operation for the CIA to expose communists living within the United States. Oh, once you get involved with the intelligence community, things get that much more complicated. Yeah, everything's a little hazy. That's the stuff that I have like in terms of support. In terms of criticisms, so if you're trying to support the Oswald is a lone gunman thing, it's kind of hard to fight a lot of these with conclusive evidence. Right. Really all you can do is take kind of contrary views on a lot of the things that we've already talked about. Yeah. Uh, For example, uh, his marksmanship abilities. He's actually a good marksman. Here are the scores to back it up. No, the rifle actually tests fairly well. Here's the FBI investigation to say that that rifle actually performed quite nicely. Mm-hmm. His uh, allegiance to, the, say, the Communist Party or to the CIA. I mean, that's the, that stuff's top secret. It's like, by definition, I can't say no. Yeah. But like, you also, in making that assertion, need to prove it in some way. And that's something that's missing. Except the fact that it's something to do with the intelligence community makes it understandable that you're not able to bring that evidence forward. Yeah. So, like, what do you say? Yeah. Most of the witness accounts that are involved here, I don't want to discount completely, but it's worth pointing out that eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable, even in very calm, collected situations. Yeah. If you are there for the assassination of a president, there are going to be contradictory witnesses. Yes. I don't have much more to say about that than, like, seriously. Like, it's it's ridiculous how bad eyewitnesses are. Mm-hmm. They're sometimes worse than 50-50 chance. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, any psych, like, basic psych course you take, you talk about it. You talk about how unreliable stuff like that is. There's videos mm-hmm. you can watch that tell you to focus on one thing and then ask if you noticed something else that was going on and you'd completely miss it. Yeah. Or you're watching and then afterwards they ask you to take a quiz about it and you get yeah like a very low score on it yeah it's it's really really difficult and and that's even when you're being set up to know that you're supposed to pay attention for something yeah. like uh, gunfire is extremely stressful <laughs> seeing someone get shot very stressful very stressful yeah one of the things that comes up out of such stressful situations is false memories yep. people are very susceptible to suggestion in that situation And a lot of what they're doing is trying to process information that's incredibly overwhelming and make sense of it in some manner. Yeah, break it down into neat little packages. And this is an inherently senseless uh, situation. And you're not going to get a nice, neat story out of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that people didn't hear gunfire elsewhere. I'm not saying that there wasn't a second shooter. I'm saying that I have no idea. Yeah. And all that we know for sure is that Oswald was in that depository. He took those shots. Just because hitting was unlikely or difficult doesn't make it impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's recognize the difference between those things. Yep. Some very, very thorough investigations have shown it to be, or shown him to be the only actor. Yep. There was a separate investigation that showed that it was likely that there, or that it was possible that someone else has, uh, acted as part of the assassination, but we don't really know who. Mm-hmm. Every single person ever involved in organized crime has come forward and claimed to know the guy who was part of it yeah to the point where it's almost senseless when someone does at this point because yeah yeah, so so has a dozen other people you know it doesn't mean much anymore Mm -hmm. i found one conspiracy theory that i'm not going to call it likely this is the one that appeals most to me personally 
Okay. So I thought I'd share that. Sure. Let's be very clear. We're going completely off book at this point. In time. Okay. This is not documented or this is not backed up by any sort of evidence or I, I don't have these facts, but it's been proposed and it was proposed as early as the 70s as a potential alternative to some of the stuff that we that, that doesn't quite add up about Oswald being the only uh, the only shooter. The theory is this. There were three cars in the motorcade, mm-hmm. and in the third car were service agents. One of the agents in the third car, a man named uh, George Hickey, was carrying an AR-15. In the video, when the motorcade speeds up after the second shot, because it's, it's odd, the first shot goes off, Kennedy jerks, the motorcade comes to a stop, the second shot goes off, and the, the motorcade speeds up again. But people say they heard as many as four shots. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, the the timing of like the whole like speeding up and all of that and and uh, Kennedy getting shot is like almost the exact same time. It was proposed that while the Secret Service agent, Hickey, was reacting to the sound of gunfire, bringing his gun to bear, trying to figure out where the threat was, and the car that he was standing in lurched forward, that he accidentally fired a shot. That mm-hmm. hit Kennedy. I find that really interesting because uh, for, for a number of reasons. Number one, if you were stationed anywhere along the line of the parade between the motorcade and the book depository, you would hear a shot from two different directions. One from the book depository, one from in front of the motorcade somewhere. Mm-hmm. If you were in front of the motorcade, you would hear shots only from the direction of the book depository. Mm-hmm. As unlikely as it is for that whole Rube Goldberg of events to kind of uh, align. It's not impossible. It makes yeah. a lot of sense, in fact. Yeah. It would explain how Kennedy was man- or how, how Kennedy was hit by two shots in such a short amount of time. Yeah. It would explain why some people testified that some of the shots sounded different than others. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really only requires Oswald to have hit one of his shots, which is significantly odds-wise, more likely than hitting both. Yeah. Now, where does, um, like, sound bouncing around come into this? Like, is was there not enough buildings close by for that to be a, it's a, a very, big enough factor? Or well, It's a very open space. Okay. I mean, for the echo to be mistook as another gunshot, maybe it's possible. In I'm sure it's confusion? been looked into extensively. Sure. But I mean, the other thing is we're, we're getting back into witness territory, right? Yeah. How many shots do you remember hearing? I don't know. Between one and nine, yeah. it felt like a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I mostly find that intriguing because it, it kind of reconciles two problems that I have with the Kennedy assassination official story. One is the idea that uh, Oswald pulled off both of those those shots perfectly. It's it, it's it's incredibly unlikely, let's face it. Yeah. And for that many witnesses, including Secret Service agents, including uh, the governor who had served uh, in the military, who spoke about hearing the, the round go off and knowing immediately that it was a high velocity round. Yeah. Like all of this stuff, for having all of those people not being able to match up their story in such a weirdly specific way, mm-hmm. it kind of fits that without there needing to be some huge conspiracy that involves setting Oswald up as a fall guy, you know, assassinating him later, you know, did the CIA do this? Did the, uh, you know, the Cuban mob do this? Did the, 
sometimes people just do bad stuff and it is possible that you know sometimes the the assassin gets through yeah it doesn't need to be a hugely orchestrated thing by some dark force no and it kind of it kind of allows the improbability of oswald acting alone to meet up with the with my personal feeling that it was mostly just chaos and not an organized event that it works nicely for me now if something gets unlocked in 20 years that it turns out that they have evidence that the you know that the the mafia was acting on behalf of the cubans to set all of this stuff up i wouldn't be surprised i'm going strictly on evidence on this one yeah and i included this this conspiracy partly because i wanted to talk about that whole chaos factor and people having trouble you know dealing with it mm-hmm. but also with the uncertainty that like we don't we don't always know. Like sometimes yeah. the, the conspiracy theories are out there because the established story isn't good enough for some people. Yeah. Like it's not well enough proven for certain people to feel like that is a convincing version of events. Yeah. And sometimes we just never get that. And honestly, with Kennedy, I think that's likely to be the case. Yeah. If you start looking into this stuff, oh, set aside a week of your life. <laughs> You're, you're going to be so tied up. Yeah. Um, it, it goes deep. It goes, it gets as deep as an ambulance swap where like a fake Kennedy body was swapped out for the real one. Yeah, I've to, heard that one. To, you know, make sure that the body is exactly the way that they need it to be for the story to line up. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's the, the, the fake body that goes along with it. There's the doctored, supposedly doctored autopsy results. Some people actually say that the, the, the Pruder film itself is doctored mm-hmm. to show what they want to show. Yeah. They're say, there are people that are saying that there's footage missing from the Zapruder film, that there are documents missing that are still classified or were destroyed, that there's film that was destroyed. We're, n- we're probably not going to get a much clearer picture than we already have. Mm-mm. The 2013 anniversary was a big one. 50 years is a big statute of limitations in terms of uh, declassifying documents. Yep. And we didn't get much satisfying information out of that. There's still some classified stuff out there. Chances are what's still classified. This is a very common thing when it comes to incidents like this. Chances are what's still classified has people named in it that are still alive. Yeah. And that's about it. Yep. So I don't know. I, I could be I could be dead wrong. There could be something that comes out next week that is definitive proof of a massive conspiracy to take out Kennedy and... I don't know, it was Johnson all along or something. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Kennedy, who was a big fan of James Bond, was working on a spy novel himself where a president was taken out by his by vice president. <laughs> I found that bit of trivia. That's really funny. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Inconclusive, I guess, would be yeah. the way that you leave this one. Yeah. But no wonder it compels so many people to look for different answers. Mm-hmm. Especially are... around... Because he was such a popular guy, people took it very personally. Mm-hmm. And you want answers and you want answers that are satisfying, not just this happened. I, I feel bad picking a specific one, but like if this happened to Nixon, I feel like less people <laughs> would be quite as obsessed with it. They'd be like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I guess he was a crook after all. Um, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Like... I, I pick him more because A, he was incredibly unpopular, and B, yeah. we know he had mob ties. Yeah. So many of them. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. He was people. People love that guy. Yeah. He brought hope to a nation that needed it a lot at the time. Yeah. He brought really surprisingly adept leadership to a country that needed it through some really difficult crises, specifically the the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, was handled very, very well. Yeah. In a time that not a lot of people had a lot of faith in him as a leader. Yeah. And yeah, to have him taken away is, uh, you, you understand why why people don't want to think that that could just happen out of the blue. Yeah. Why there has to be some huge cover up on like on government levels to make that happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of like the ice bullets and all that stuff. <laughs> 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 oh, come on, ice bullet, really? Anyway, but no, I, I, I completely get it. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to think that thing, uh, that bad things can happen that easily. Yeah. So I, I don't have uh, anything else on Kennedy at the moment. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention there? I think that there's, there's definitely other stuff surrounding the Kennedy family that oh, goodness. kind of promotes the idea that there could be so much conspiracy around his death and yeah like even pushes it that much further because there was yeah there's some shady stuff going so on with his dad stuff. and, and his, yeah you know his sister and yeah his... like everything and i think that that is another thing that kind of pushes yeah the idea that there could be a much bigger conspiracy yeah well that 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 whole family has been i, I mean conspiracies or not has been through so much tragedy that yeah, once once a pattern is established like that at all, people really latch on to that. Yeah, for sure. We didn't talk about it much with the moon landing ones, but the number of uh, astronauts or NASA personnel that died during the Apollo program or shortly thereafter has often been pointed to as like a very suspicious thing about it. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, yeah, but it was an organization of like thousands of people. Like, of course, people, some die. people are going to die. <laughs> it's yeah. a thing that happens. It's part of life. Yeah. But as soon as they're all associated in some way, there uh, must becomes, be a reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Howard Carter and the uh, and the the excavation of Tutankhamun's tomb in 1922, right? Yeah. The the number of deaths that surrounded that, you know, never mind that it was because they were all like getting yellow fever or whatever it was that they were getting, uh, because they were in Egypt and drinking terrible water. Yeah. Nope. It's curse of the mummy's tomb. You gotta be cursed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, patterns like that always just kind of fan those flames. Yeah. So, no, the, the poor Kennedy family. They've, yeah. Uh, they had a rough ride. Mm-hmm. It's just that one brother that managed to make it to like 93 or whatever he was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, that's everything that I have for Kennedy. And uh, I think when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, conspiracy theory, which is especially exciting because it is definitely true. All of it, 100%, not all of it. We'll be right back. We're back on HI101 here with Rebecca Blesky. Hello. Hello. Did you know, Becca, Yes. that the government is putting fluoride in our water not to make our chompers more healthy? But so we'll be more docile and easier to mind control? Mind control. Mind control. I did know. Of course you knew. I know everything about conspiracy theories. I know you stay in the loop. I'm your resident expert. Wake up, sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. 
No, obviously that's dumb. It's for your chompers. For your chompers. Keep them strong and healthy. Listen, I work in a workplace where there's like a pretty like solid age divide. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like at the top end of the the younger cohort. And then there's just like a big gap. And then you get to the older cohort. And all of the older ones have so many cavities. They get cavities all the time. Yeah. Tons of them. Like, the one guy I work with, he's probably to the dentist every six weeks. Wow. I mean, he's he's notably bad, but yeah, I have never had a cavity. Most of the younger ones have had, like, maybe one or two. I've had one ever. One ever. That's pretty good. Yeah. Like, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. You know what helps that out? Fluoride in our water. Fluoride in our water. Thank you, fluoride. Thanks, fluoride. <laughs> you're, you're the best. That doesn't mean we haven't tried mind control stuff. <laughs> because honestly, when you give as much power as we do to our intelligence agencies, like leave them off the book, let them do whatever they want. They're, like, they're going to want mind control. Like, If I came up to you and I was like, hey, do you want to mind control other people? No strings attached. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Who would say no? <laughs> Anyone that said no probably wouldn't be working in, like, the Black Ops divisions. I bet if they said no, it's because they were being controlled by somebody who didn't think they deserved the power. That could be. Think about it. Think about it. Mm -hmm. It's all right there. (laughs) (laughs) The evidence is right in front of us. Oh, man. Um, Conspiracy theories are the best. I love it. It was so hard to pick these four conspiracy theories. I know. I'm kind of hoping, maybe, I don't know. We'll see how the response is. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, because you are so into this topic, that maybe if people want to hear other conspiracy theories, maybe they'll write some stuff in Yeah. to the show, which they can reach me at contact at hi101.ca or just go to the website. There's You can leave me comments. You can tweet at me, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you want to give me other conspiracy theories, if we get another bunch of good ones, you want to come back sometime? Absolutely. And do conspiracies part two? Look, this is basically what we talk about when we're just hanging out anyway. <laughs> the mystery deepens. The only difference is that there's a mic in front of my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that and I think we're pre- pretending less to buy into the That's true. It's a, it's a little more structured. There was a little bit more research that went into it. <laughs> well, not, not just that, but like, I feel like if we did our normal level of conversation about this stuff, people would just think that we were tin foil hat wearing nut jobs. <laughs> That's true. Like we we need to give them that little let's throw the throw We need them to that, qualify this. A throw them bit. that life preserver. Yeah. <laughs> Here, grab onto this ring. We're not crazy. We Don't promise. Worry. We're not crazy. One of the really, really creepy things, because we were talking about before about how there's certain aspects of history that like you don't find out about much because obviously they don't want you to know about it mm-hmm. and that makes you sound crazy, but they are true. Yeah. They are true. They're real for sure. One of them is this funny little thing called Operation Paperclip. Mm-hmm. Do you know about Operation Paperclip? I do. Tell me about Operation Paperclip. So that was its code name, obviously. That's how they referred to it. And it was all about mind control, was it not? No, you're thinking oh, of no. MK Ultra, which is where we're going. Operation Paperclip came immediately after World War II, when the United States went in and raided a bunch of Nazi uh, scientists. Does this ring a bell? Yeah. 
Can you take it from here? Gotta give me a little more. I'm getting there. It's, it's sounding very familiar. Basically what happened was the United States government said, listen, those Nazi scientists, they've been up to no good. Mm-hmm. They do seem like they're bright fellas. Just a little misguided. Mm-hmm. So what we want you to do is go in and find any Nazi scientists who haven't been involved in like any of like the really bad stuff. Just like the forgivable stuff, the not so bad Nazi scientist experiments. And we'll give those guys a job in the United States. And we'll give them amnesty from being prosecuted for war crimes because we want their intellectual power Mm -hmm. because uh, science is the engine of industry. And that's what the United States is all about in the 40s. And so they sent a bunch of agents in and they evaluated every single scientist in Nazi Germany and went, well, we can't bring any in. (laughs) And then they went, unless maybe what we do is scrub the records of all the really, really bad stuff. And then we can bring all of them in. (laughs) And that's what they did. They gave every single, they gave every single Nazi scientist full amnesty other than like, I mean, not everyone. Not the main guys. A lot of them. Yeah. They give a lot of them amnesty for some pretty bad stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, no, they didn't exactly forgive Mengele or anything like that. Yeah. But some of the scientists and engineers that they brought over had definitely been into some, like, some real bad stuff. Yeah, they should not have gotten. No. Yeah. But they wiped the records and went, yeah, we found some, we found some good ones. <laughs> and the government went, are you sure they're good? Yeah, Absolutely. Perfect. Bring them on. Bring them on in, and that was the last these scientists ever had to deal with any of the stuff that uh, they probably should have dealt with. Mm-hmm. And that's Operation Paperclip was just stealing a bunch of Nazi scientists and engineers, forgiving them for the things that they did uh, in exchange for them working for American government and industry. Right after that, they decided to start experimenting on new interrogation and torture and mind control initiatives. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Weird how that lines up, huh? Yeah, I I mean, not everyone that was involved in this project was from Operation Paperclip, but there were people from Operation Paperclip involved in this operation. Mm -hmm. What happened was during the Korean War, which was 1950 to 1953, there was word coming back that the Soviets, who... All of a sudden, we were no longer friends with. We were good pals all the way through World War II. And then the Americans got the bomb. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, things got real frosty. Yeah. Word was coming back from prisoners of war that the Soviets had developed a perfect truth serum. And this was like basically science fiction up until this point. But it was something that people had wanted. Let's face it, forever. Yeah. Lying is annoying. I want people to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. The idea that you could give somebody a drug that would prevent them from being able to lie, like psychologically, physiologically incapable of lying, was just this holy grail of the intelligence community. Mm-hmm. And they started getting word back that the Soviets had it. And they went, hmm, we better get on this too. Mm-hmm. And in 1953, right at the end of the Korean War, they began something called Project MK Ultra. Ultra was at that time denoting 
the level of secrecy surrounding this project. And MKUltra gets out of hand really, really quickly when you start talking about scope. But basically what they wanted to do with MKUltra was improve their interrogation methods because they were worried about enemy operatives being so good at lying that they could withstand torture, right. which was pretty much what you were working with up until that point. Mm-hmm. So they started working on new types of torture to get people to talk. So things like uh, sensory deprivation, yeah, which really messes with your head. Yeah. Just straight up isolation. What happens when you keep somebody just in a metal box for days or even weeks on end without seeing another human being? Yeah. Which is surprisingly damaging to the psyche. Like, yeah. it's one of those things that sounds like, okay, so they're leaving me alone. Well, there's a difference between choosing to be alone and being forced to be separated from all human contact. Oh, of course. But it's not, it's not just like, it's also just, it's also not just like loneliness that comes out of it. No. There are like, there are odd things that start, that start happening to your mind in that yes. situation. Yeah. They developed new types of, you know, good old fashioned physical torture. Mm-hmm. They worked on verbal and even some sexual abuse. Like there was, there was really no limit to what they were willing to, yeah, to look into as you know what is the effectiveness of this. Right. And it's all under the guise of, well, I mean, let, let's face it, this is a story that is being told to people in the United States and across the West now. It's it's uh, it's for our safety, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's this idea that. Like, no, we don't want to have to use this, but if we need to use this, we want these tools at our disposal yeah. to keep you safe. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's, as I said, that's that's a very, very old story that keeps being told in new and exciting ways yeah. uh, throughout history, unfortunately. But at least with MKUltra, they had the decency to keep it ultra secret, I guess. Yeah. The problem with something like testing someone's unwillingness to talk is that it's really hard to have willing uh, willing participants. Yeah. Number one, because no one really wants to go through that. And number two, you run into kind of a philosophical problem, which is that if somebody volunteers for a test to give up information unwillingly, then is it unwilling extraction of information? Yeah. It's a bit of a pickle. Yeah, a little bit. And so the logic behind this is, well, no, that's not true information extraction so we have to experiment on people who are unwilling and that eventually ballooned into unknowing yeah which is really really disturbing mainly this and and this is being run by the cia i should have pointed that out a little bit earlier mainly at the beginning they were working on cia employees to kind of figure out the effects of certain like less less invasive forms of torture so things like the sensory deprivation for example would be done on cia employees okay but as they realized that maybe it wasn't as effective to have people know what they were going into they started expanding to people outside of the agency Mm -hmm. and they specifically targeted very vulnerable members of the population so they were doing these experiments on mental patients who at this point in time would have been institutionalized yeah They were doing these experiments on prisoners. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were doing them on drug addicts and the homeless. And they were doing these experiments on prostitutes. So basically anyone who, if 
they came forward and said the government is experimenting on me and they're torturing me would have zero credence whatsoever. Yeah, they would have been just written off. Which is incredibly despicable and and really kind of upsetting when you think about it. And and just so deliberate. It's so carefully thought through that like yeah. yeah there's no there's no point in MK Ultra where we can look at this and have the CIA go like Ah, uh, but we had like everyone's best interests at heart and it just kind of got like out of hand on us. No. no. <laughs> nope, that's not what happened here at all. The thing is they didn't stop experimenting on CIA personnel. What they stopped doing was telling them that they were going to experiment on them. One of the biggest leads that came out of MK, MK Ultra was a newly designed drug called LSD. Mm-hmm. The CIA had a nasty habit of dosing its employees with lsd without them knowing Mm -hmm. which is a significantly different uh, experience than knowingly taking acid yep and is in people who who are already prone to uh, mental illness is potentially incredibly dangerous yeah because acid has been shown in the past to exacerbate uh, psychotic breaks and even trigger them in people who otherwise might never have had a psychotic break in their entire life. Mm-hmm. It's not something to mess around with. And if one was to want to experiment with it, they should probably be aware of those sorts of dangers before going into it. Yeah, for sure. And make an informed decision on something like that. Not have someone slip it in the coffee because, again, you are Joe who makes the copies at the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> And this time, you just quit NASA. You're so tired of covering up all this moon landing stuff. You're so done with that place. You're tired of all the secrets. They said they would kill you if you told all of your secrets. (laughs) So you move over to the CIA. You got a real good reference letter. And all of a sudden, one morning, like, your, your coffee tastes like... Real, it's like the same, but kind of different in that you can also see the taste. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and maybe like hear it a little bit. Maybe hear it a little bit. The idea of your employer, like basically it was in their contract saying that like... We can do this to you. Kind of. But like it would hold less water than like the EULAs that I click through every time I have to like reinstall iTunes. Mm -hmm. Right? Like... It didn't specifically say we reserve the right to drug you at any time without your knowledge. Yeah. It basically said, like, you're working for the CIA. The CIA owns you. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's really an argument to be made there about consent in experiments and, and morality in in experiments. There's, there's, which... This is before ethics laws. <laughs> I mean, it's not. That's kind of the problem. Ethics laws, in a lot of ways came out of the Nuremberg trials, mm. which, you know, have, have wrapped up by 1953 when this starts. Oh, good. And, I mean, a lot of those ethics laws are basically going, you know what, experimenting on human beings without their consent is bad. It's morally wrong. That is reprehensible. Don't do that. And the CIA is like, yeah, totally. Anyway, have we this coffee. We should probably do that. <laughs> anyway, try this coffee. I just brewed it fresh. <laughs> like, that's that's highly disturbing yeah that is that's very very upsetting and i'm talking about all of this stuff as though like i know 100 percent that it happened and that's because i do because it's true that's because all of the documentation came out mm-hmm. there was an inquest following basically basically the the program ended in 1973 
not that long after, due to some kind of like barely related stuff, it came to the government's attention that this pro- project had existed. Meanwhile, there's been people talking about the government trying to mind control people for ages, right? Mm-hmm. And all of these people, you know, th- the whole tinfoil hat thing literally comes from uh, people worried about the army using certain wavelengths of radio to affect your your mind, like your, your brain wave yeah. patterns, which like sounds crazy. But then you find out that they're taking people and dosing them with LSD and then questioning them about their deepest held secrets to see if... Uh, in that state, they can use both LSD and hypnosis to make sure that you never lie and you tell all your secrets. Mm-hmm. Like, which one of those is more messed up? And also, which one of those seems more likely? Yeah. Like, honestly, if I thought that some radio waves could, like, actually affect some people's minds and I had, like, a lot less ethics than I do... I might build a transmitter. Yeah. That seems real easy to do. Sure, yeah. It also seems real easy to prove because you would have a lot of people under your control real quick. Mm-hmm. Those rays go in all directions. Surprisingly, tinfoil, well, aluminum, which is what tinfoil is made of. It's aluminum foil. Pretty good at reflecting uh, radio waves. Yep. That's kind of the, the, the best irony about this whole thing <laughs> when we talk about conspiracy theories. It would work. It would work. <laughs> Anyways, this whole thing comes to light through a Senate committee uh, investigation in 1977 where they had to like disclose a whole bunch of documents about the program. And what we're talking about now is just the stuff that we know about, not the thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents that were destroyed or still kept classified higher level than a Senate inquisition, mm-hmm. which is very, very high. Yeah. They did things like... I mean, they spent a lot of time on hypnosis, like really trying to dig into the legitimacy of that. They worked with implanting false memories with hypnosis, which is mm-hmm. maybe a more legitimate use of hypnosis than using it to retrieve previous memories, Yeah, which is kind of scary, but goes yeah. back to our, our discussion of witnesses in the past um, topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to convince people that they remember stuff. It's hard to get people to dredge up old memories. Yeah. But I mean... Hypnosis was generally used like in combination with either torture or with some of the drug combos that they were using. I mean, they had this one uh, drug combo that they tried using, which sounds terrifying to keep people awake as long as possible, where they had an an IV of barbiturates in one arm Mm -hmm. and an IV of amphetamines in the other arm. Yeah. And if you started getting too awake or too sleepy, they'd just up one one or or the the other other to keep you in this perfect balance of so tired that you were like in that loopy sleep deprived state, but not ever allowing you to fall asleep. And you were super high. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. MKUltra involved Canadian citizens, which I think a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. Good work, Miguel. Yep. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. And, and not only... Did the universities uh, get involved? Because a lot of this testing, by the way, was through universities when it wasn't through actual CIA mm-hmm. um, organizations. It was it was through, like, they contracted out this testing to universities and yep. there were Canadian universities involved. The Canadian government knew about this and, in fact, funded the project, which is, again, I, I think a lot of Canadians don't know about that. No. A little spooky. Super messed up. Super messed up. 
Uh, and it actually didn't come to light until 1986 that they had been involved. It, it, it took uh, another nine years. Wow. And it was exposed by the Fifth Estate, which is kind of great. I kind of I love the Fifth Estate. I used to think it was the most boring show on TV yeah. growing up. Yeah. But like the more I learn about the Fifth Estate, the more I just I super love it. Yeah. I, I can't imagine why any non-Canadian listeners would know about it. But it's like a, an investigative journalism yeah. show, which has... I mean, sometimes the stuff that they're investigating is like, are you getting gouged on Super your milk boring. prices? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been a slow week. Are you getting gouged on your milk prices? But other times they do really strong, like yeah. very in-depth investigative journalism, which a lot of places don't do. Yeah. It's like a crustier version of 60 Minutes. <laughs> and I don't mean crusty in terms of old, which is what 60 Minutes is. I mean, in terms of just like, it won't take any nonsense. Like, I feel like if I found out that somebody, that the, the team from the Fifth Estate, like, took some bribes of some sort to keep a story under wraps, I would just, like, lose faith in all media ever yeah. because they feel like the least likely to do something like that. They're yeah. really good at, at finding really interesting, really relevant stories and refusing to stop chasing them. I mean, that that's the... That's the outlet that will go after stuff like abuse scandals before yeah. anyone else will because they have no problems naming names. Yeah. They are, they're, they're holding the truth higher than anything else in uh, journalism. Which is how it should be. And I, I, I really respect them a lot for that. Yeah. Super solid Canadian show. Good work, Fifth Estate. If you're Good listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to give me a shout out back, I really appreciate it. <laughs> follow for follow <laughs> follow for follow come on it's, it's just rude if you don't <laughs> but yeah i mean they they also did stuff like entrapping people using fake brothels that they set up they would track married men yeah they would that they knew were using brothels they would set up a fake one that would basically like he would go up to the room and it would be like a bunch of cia agents and like a chair that he would get strapped into and have a bunch of weird truth serum drugs pumped into him yeah. and they basically did that knowing that he would never talk about it because they would profile these men specifically mm -hmm. to know that they were too embarrassed about using prostitutes to ever talk to anyone about it well and they know for sure that they have a secret <laughs> exactly that's the that's the other thing too it's perfect yeah it's despicable i, I mean like, that's the thing about mk ultra is is morally speaking it goes against everything that was established specifically to counter the type of experiments that the men who kind of were working in MKUltra now had been doing in the 30s and 40s. It's convoluted and weird and kind of sad and, and a little bit of faith in humanity lost there. Yeah. But this one is 100% true. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it is that like, just because people sound crazy talking about this stuff, if someone comes up to you and says the government is entrapping people using fake brothels and then giving them mind control, drugs and hypnosis and torture methods in order to try and find a perfect truth serum slash mind control method, you sound bonkers. Yeah. I'm sorry, that sounds insane. Yeah. But for 20 years straight, that's exactly what the CIA did. Mm-hmm. And like, at the risk of sounding crazy myself, do you think they stopped in 73? Like, really? I, yeah. I mean, if they've managed to keep it going for 20 years and then it comes out, I I think they would manage to find a way. I think that in those 
two decades, they would have thought, hey, if this comes out, how are we going to deal with it? Is it on the same scale? Yeah, I don't know. Is it, are they using the same methods? Probably not. Probably Those not. methods are out now. Yeah. But like, is there any chance that the CIA stopped developing? I, I mean, psychological warfare is such a big part of what's been developed in the 20th century in terms of combat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stories that you hear coming out of Guantanamo and some of the some of the stuff that was being used against the you know enemy combatants being held there yeah you know for risk of once again dipping into the not history range because we're less than 20 years ago mm-hmm. but those stories of blasting barney songs at inmates 24 7 yeah and and people laughing about that like people finding it comical that that was happening like i'm sorry that's terrifying yeah like, I, I, I feel like anyone who's laughing at that either has zero empathy for the people that we're talking about, which is possible, or just very little concept of how fragile minds can be sometimes, which is also quite possible. In fact, maybe it's both. Yeah. I, I don't know, but like, I, I hear that and it's it's just so very upsetting. And you know, you know that the people doing it to those inmates didn't come up with it on their own. No. And there's a big gap between 1993, or sorry, 1973 and you know, the start of the Iraq war. Yep. I I don't know. I, and again, I, it, you hate to say it because you, you, when you put yourself out there like that, you're the one that sounds crazy. Yeah. And yet this is a really good example of like, no, sometimes no, sometimes you don't. Yeah. Or, or so, Well, you do sound crazy, but like sometimes you can sound crazy and be right. Yeah. And, you know, just because somebody has an out there theory doesn't necessarily mean that history might not vindicate them at some point in time. Mm-hmm. People plan things in secret, and that's what a conspiracy is, right? It is a plan made in secret, and that's all it is. Mm -hmm. The fact that we've, just the fact that we've labeled conspiracy theory and and sort of redefined it to mean something that is crazy to believe is almost kind of worrying. Yeah. In a way, because it makes it very easy to dismiss anyone who has any ideas about what might be going on or any information about what might be going on. Yeah. It sounds paranoid, but at the same time... It's exactly the sort of thing that might happen yeah. or at least be encouraged by the sort of people who might have things to cover up. So MKUltra, I, I think a lot of people find it, again, weirdly funny. Like this idea of the CIA, like dosing their their employees with, with acid when they don't know about it. Yeah. Let's talk about Frank Olson. Yes. Frank Olson worked for the, uh, for the CIA and in 1953... He uh, he took a, a, a hit of LSD and ended up going out a 13-story window and obviously died immediately on impact. That's the things that we definitely know happened. He was uh, he, he worked for uh, the U.S. Army. He was a biochemist and bioweapons researcher. So he was the kind of guy who would have been placed on MKUltra. Yeah. Just because they used LSD a lot doesn't mean that it was the only thing that they they worked with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is no, or we have never developed that the public is aware of a perfect truth serum. That's just not how drugs work. Yeah. You there's know? too many factors. There's too many factors involved in lying and deception and, and things like that. I mean, you know, sidebar, uh, lie detector tests. Super mm-hmm. inaccurate. Polygraph. Duh. Nope. Yeah. Don't work. They're really not good. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that I had to glaze over quick in the um, criminology episode that I did. We didn't yeah. have time to get 
like real deep into lie detectors, but they're not good. No, they're not. They're 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 much better as a stress detector. Yeah. Uh, than a lie detector, and those two things aren't the same thing. No, not at all. So, yeah, I I mean, most places polygraph isn't even admissible as evidence in court. It's mainly used to squeeze uh, suspects who you know from law enforcement's perspective, hopefully doesn't know how bad lie detectors are. Yeah. And hopefully doesn't know that they're not admissible and will hopefully get spooked into telling the truth because of that. Which is shady. Yeah. Man, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Do better. Sherlock Holmes would be disappointed in all of you. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, they, they, they never managed to develop this this truth serum. The one that they were talking about from the, the Soviet Union... That was a lie. That was Soviet propaganda. And it's weird that a 20-year program was predicated on kind of a very, like a really flimsy, at least nugget to start with. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, it developed its own reasons to keep going, but, you know, not good enough. Yeah. Maybe they should have checked into whether, you know, why didn't they send like a spy guy to like go capture some truth serum? Yeah. Try that one first. <laughs> go get us a sample. Yeah, there's, there still isn't one. And, you know, we've known... We've known for so many centuries that confession under torture uh, is no good. That during the medieval inquisition, like the 13th century, the law was that anything that you admitted to under torture was had to be confirmed like afterwards. After you were no longer being tortured, it had to be confirmed that that was actually the truth or else it couldn't be used as evidence against you. Hmm. We've known that for hundreds of years. Yeah. So like, yeah, we still try like waterboarding people and whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess we stopped doing that. Did we? Maybe. Um, Think about it. We're definitely still doing that. So yeah, we're still like like torturing people to try and get them to talk. Yeah. Like why? Like why are we doing that? Like why? Like we know it doesn't get you good results. It's crazy. Yeah. And at that point, it just becomes masochistic. Yeah. Anyways, we're getting very current again, and we got to avoid that a little bit. Yeah. Frank Olson. He was working probably on MKUltra himself, developing who knows what. And according to the CIA, volunteered, because this is in 1953, this is in the first year that MKUltra starts, Mm -hmm. volunteered for one of these tests, was under the influence of LSD, went home at the end of the day, Suffered a psychotic break. He was apparently prone to them. He was one of these people that we talked about earlier that can become uh, that that badly affected by LSD. Yep. Suffered a psychotic break and threw himself out the window and called it a suicide. Frank Olson's family tells a different story. Okay. They claim that he had quit the program on moral grounds. He had stepped away from MKUltra, but that he knew so much about what was going on, at least in those early years, that the CIA saw him as a threat. He went away for a business trip. Mm-hmm. And like the story is that they kept him high on acid for days. Days. He was already well known to be prone to suicidal thoughts. Yeah. He had never committed suicide before, but it like this this was a thing that his family knew about him. He had a tough time with some stuff and he had had suicidal thoughts before. Had been going to counseling for them things like that yeah and they claim that he never would have uh knowingly taken acid because that would be crazy for someone 
with suicidal thoughts to do. Right. That's a bad idea if if you're already if you already know that about yourself. Well, yeah, especially as like with his knowledge of what it would do to him. Exactly. He, yeah. They believe that they dosed him on purpose and that he was in some way encouraged at that window. Basically, they blame the CIA. Whether it be because, you know, they were giving very dangerous for that person drugs to Frank to in the knowledge of what would happen eventually, sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Or that there were agents in the room that convinced him to jump. Yeah. In 1994, his body was exhumed for an autopsy. Okay. And it was found that there was uh, head trauma, uh, consistent with a blow to the back of the head, and the coroner ruled it as a homicide, which would suggest that Frank didn't jump. Right. It's possible that Frank was either knocked unconscious or killed by a blow to the back of the head, and then thrown out that window. Mm-hmm. The CIA has paid the family a settlement. However, they have only apologized for giving him LSD without his knowledge. The only thing they have apologized for is the consent issue, which is something that they have apologized to, apologized for to every single person who was involved in any way in MKUltra, which is really like pretty, like a pretty bad apology. Let's yeah. face it. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. That's, yeah. Bare however, minimum at best. <laughs> however, that being said, to do anything else would be to admitting to assassinating a former project member. And I get how they can't really do that. Yeah. Make of this what you will. I mean, for an organization that's doing as many shady things as they already were, uh, the idea of killing one person who disagreed with them on moral grounds doesn't surprise me at all because somebody who's willing to quit on moral grounds is the kind of person who's willing to talk. Right. So, I mean... You're, you're already putting a lot at risk to quit your job that way. Yeah. That's that's the kind of person who is willing to, you know, possibly risk jail time yeah. by talking about classified information. He wasn't the only person to die from this project either. There are multiple other ones, but he's by far the most poli- uh, the most public and prominent uh, death to come out of MKUltra. Mm-hmm. And yeah, MKUltra is a real, actual thing that the CIA did. To try and control people's minds. That's crazy. Yeah, it's bananas. <laughs> B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I've known about MKUltra for years and still just like, there's something about reading about it where it just like doesn't click properly. It's, that this It's is really a, hard to grasp and accept that it's a real thing that... It feels like a thing happened. out of a movie. Yeah. Not a... Good guy thing. No, not at all. Not not in the least. And it always weirds me out with stuff like this. Like, who knew about this? Did the president know about this? Did, you know, was the director of the CIA, you know, familiar with it in name only, but not the details? And, like, it was a bunch of people at the lower levels that were, you know, running the specifics? Was yeah. it, like, how how pervasive is that? Yeah, who, who kind of turned a blind eye to it and who let it go (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know it's 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 weird to think how far reaching that might have been because it went for 20 years yeah and it really definitely happened and the stuff that i've talked about is only the documents that survived there were so many destroyed so many yeah i don't know i i don't 
have anything else on MK Ultra necessarily, but did you have anything else on this project or on any of the conspiracies that we talked about that stood out for you or any comments that you have on conspiracy theories in general? Not really. I just, I think they hold like a really interesting kind of place in society, pop culture. I don't know. Like, yeah, they, I would, they I would have almost a... classify them as pop history. Because yeah. You are talking about history here. And, and yeah. I think it's, I, I, I was excited to talk about this one specifically because I feel like, you know, we, we talked earlier uh, at one point about the amount of history instruction that people get mm-hmm. and how, you know, there, there is this idea that history is super boring. And for but a lot it's... of people, I get why they feel that way based on the way they were taught history. Yeah. Because that's, that's, you know, that's the key right there. That's the key yes. for anything, really. Yeah. It's probably why I, hate, I, I don't like math as much as I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least one teacher here, though, that I can think of. But anyways. But this is one place where I think people do continue to learn a little bit about history if even if it's muddled history, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows at least a little bit about the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. And why? Well, it's because it's such a topic of debate. It's such a, you know, it, it, it's, it holds such a, a, an interesting place in current historical discourse, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Four, four presidents have been assassinated. Only Lincoln and Kennedy are thought of because yeah. they're the fun ones. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> They're the well-known ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I find it interesting how we still talk about stuff like that. Yeah. But in such a such a confused way. And I think it gives people the impression that those things are less sure than they necessarily are. Yeah. Because the first two things that we talked about, the, the phantom time hypothesis and the moon landings, there's nothing to those. Yeah. The fact that they're still talked about in any capacity, like, come on. It's baloney right there. Yeah. Kennedy? I kind of get it. Yeah. It's confusing. It is a confused situation. MK Ultra, I think that it's good that people talk about that. I think that it's good that people understand that it's 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 okay to sometimes question the established narrative of things. It's just that it's important to really use some critical thinking when you do. Otherwise, you and I watching Conspiracy Files, that would be a problem. Oh, yeah. It would be full of so much bad info. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I kind of hate the idea of the people that we would be if we didn't I know. sit there and pick it apart a little bit. It would yeah. be bad. Yeah. So, so bad. But we sit there and we listen to what they're saying and we talk about why it's it's complete nonsense. Yeah. And I'm I'm willing to bet that there's a bunch of historical stuff that you would have no idea even existed if it wasn't for that show. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's it's interesting that, you know, questioning that that traditional narrative is the way that you stumble across that stuff. And it's always really interesting stuff. Yeah. I mean, some some of the alien stuff, that that gets that, that gets goes a little ridiculous. A little further into crazy territory. <laughs> but the but the stuff that's that's you know, actually housed in real actual history. I mean, we didn't even talk about Area 51 on this one. No. Or or the Roswell incident, for that matter. You know, the, this, the stuff like the moon landing, while in space, yes, is still well, like, well-grounded in, in real history. Right? <laughs> and, and and we don't have to feel like, I, I don't know, I don't think it's bad that we, that we ask questions about it. I think that we, it's, I think that it's bad 
when we're not careful about which questions we're asking. Right, yeah. Or when we're not really scrutinizing the answers that we get back to those questions. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They, 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 they fill a really interesting place in, in pop history. Yeah, I think, I think conspiracy theories serve a really interesting purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like kind of diving into that a little bit. I think, and I think the majority of people probably enjoy them on the same kind of... Entertainment value. Yeah. That's kind of a guilty pleasure for us, let's face it. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I, I think the majority of people take it that way. I'm, I'm a little worried on some of the like ancient aliens ones that people buy into it a little bit more for some reason than, than for example, Kennedy assassination theories. But mm-hmm. yeah, that one, there's not a lot I can do. I mean, I, I have a feeling somebody's going to ask us for one or two of those topics if, uh, if we do get any responses. Mm-hmm. We can look at them. They just tend to be a little bit shorter. We'll see. We'll Generally, see. the answer is no, people did that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, did aliens build the pyramids? No. Nah. <laughs> my favorite, I think my favorite ancient aliens dispute person is that one dude who lives in like the country in Northern England who like sets up his own Stonehenge stones. Oh, yeah. Where everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, those weigh so many tons. And like, Nobody with, you know, 4,000, 5,000 year old, how old is Stonehenge? Like 5,000 year old uh, technology could have managed to like stand up one of these stones. It's impossible. And he then just, he like, like uses goes, some logs. Yeah, he gets some logs and like a shovel and like makes a pit and then moves the log and then puts the pit dirt under one end of the stone and then like just like tips it upward. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I just stood up like a 13 ton stone on my own like that's how they did it what's wrong with you people like he's so great because he just goes and he does it Mm -hmm. and he just like stands there laughing at everybody who thinks that stonehenge is from aliens because he's like it's just a bunch of stones like put them on their end it's good to go yeah yeah he's he's my favorite debunker full stop yeah full stop i love him but yeah no they're they're always no matter how crazy they get, there's always something really interesting and and true somewhere at the heart of these. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. I hope we have a chance to do something similar again. Me too. Sometime soon. Yeah, me too. Conspiracy theories sometimes seem counter to history in that they deliberately attack the standard narrative of an event, but they're not really history's enemy. The job of history is to take new ideas and examine them using all the proper tools at its disposal to evaluate the evidence and either dismiss or incorporate those ideas as the evidence suggests. Contrary to the old saying, history is not written in stone, and as crazy as they can seem, conspiracy theories are one of the things helping to keep history alive and fresh. It would just be nice if sometimes the weirder ones would cut it out once the evidence was against them. If you have any ideas for a future conspiracy theory episode, I'd love to hear them. Send them to contact at hi101.ca or visit the site hi101.ca to find out how to get in touch with me. Next time on HI101, we'll be talking about piracy. That episode will be up on July 1st. As the format of this show inevitably leads to factual errors, I encourage you to visit hi101.ca and check out the corrections posted there. That's hi101.ca. 
If there are any errors I haven't addressed there, please let me know and I'll add them to the notes. And remember, HI 101 is a broad introduction. If the subject we've discussed today has caught your attention, I encourage you to look for more information. It only gets better from here. I'm Adam Blesky, and this has been HI 101.